0: Book sixteen, chapters five and six of the Antiquities of the Jews, volume four. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Anne Boulet. The Antiquities of the Jews, volume four, by Flavius Josephus. Translated by William Whiston. Book 16, Chapters 5 and 6. Chapter 5. How Herod celebrated the games that were to return every fifth year upon the building of Caesarea, and how he built and adorned many other places after a magnificent manner, and did many other actions gloriously. About this time it was that Caesarea Sebaste, which he had built, was finished the entire building being accomplished in the tenth year the solemnity of it fell into the twenty-eighth year of herod's reign and into the hundred and ninety-second olympiad there was accordingly a great festival and most sumptuous preparations made presently in order to its dedication for he had appointed a contention in music and games to be performed naked he had also gotten ready a great number of those that fight single combats and of beasts for the like purpose horse races also, and the most chargeable of such sports and shows as used to be exhibited at Rome and in other places. He consecrated this combat to Caesar and ordered it to be celebrated every fifth year. He also sent all sorts of ornaments for it out of his own furniture, that it might want nothing to make it decent. Nay, Julia, Caesar's wife, sent a great part of her most valuable furniture from Rome, insomuch that he had no want of anything. The sum of them all was estimated at five hundred talents. Now when a great multitude was come to that city to see the shows, as well as the ambassadors whom other people sent, on account of the benefits they had received from Herod, he entertained them all in the public inns, and at public tables, and with perpetual feasts. This solemnity having in the time of day the diversions of the fights, and in the night time such merry meets as cost vast sums of money, and publicly demonstrated the generosity of his soul, for in all his undertakings he was ambitious to exhibit what exceeded whatsoever had been done before of the same kind. And it is related that Caesar and Agrippa often said that the dominions of Herod were too little for the greatness of his soul, for that he deserved to have both all the kingdoms of Syria and that of Egypt also. After this solemnity and these festivals were over, Herod erected another city in the plain called Cap Farsaba, where he chose out of a fit place, both for plenty of water and goodness of soil, and proper for the production of what was there planted, where a river encompassed the city itself, and a grove of the best trees for magnitude was around about it. This he named Antipatris, from his father Antipater. He also built upon another spot of ground above Jericho, of the same name with his mother a place of great security and very pleasant for habitation and called it cypros he also dedicated the finest monuments to his brother phasaelus on account of the great natural affection there had been between them by erecting a tower in the city itself not less than the tower of pharos which he named phasaelus which was at once a part of the strong defences of the city and a memorial for him that was deceased because it bare his name He also built a city of the same name in the valley of Jericho, as you go from it northward, whereby he rendered the neighboring country more fruitful, by the cultivation its inhabitants introduced, and this he also called Phasaelus. But as for his other benefits, it is impossible to reckon them up, those which he bestowed on cities, both in Syria and in Greece, and in all the places he came to in his voyages. For he seems to have conferred, and that after a most plentiful manner, what would minister to many necessities, and the building of public works, and gave them the money that was necessary to such works as wanted it, to support them upon the failure of their other revenues. But what was the greatest and most illustrious of all his works? He erected Apollo's temple at Rhodes, at his own expenses, and gave them a great number of talents of silver for the repair of their fleet." he also built the greatest part of the public edifices for the inhabitants of nicopolis at actium and for the antiochinus the inhabitants of the principal city of syria where a broad street cuts through the place lengthwise he built cloisters along it on both sides and laid the open road with polished stone and was of very great advantage to the inhabitants and as to the olympic games which were in a very low condition by reason of the failure of their revenues he recovered their reputation, and appointed revenues for their maintenance, and made that solemn meeting more venerable, as to the sacrifices and other ornaments. And by reason of this vast liberality, he was generally declared in their inscriptions to be one of the perpetual managers of those games. Now some there are who stand amazed at the diversity of Herod's nature and purposes, for when we have respect to his magnificence, and the benefits which he bestowed on all mankind, there is no possibility for even those that had the least respect for him to deny, or not openly to confess, that he had a nature vastly beneficent. But when any one looks upon the punishments he inflicted and the injuries he did, not only to his subjects, but to his nearest relations, and takes notice of his severe and unrelenting disposition there, he will be forced to allow that he was brutish and a stranger to all humanity insomuch that these men suppose his nature to be different, and sometimes at contradiction with itself. But I am myself of another opinion, and imagine that the occasion of both these sorts of actions was one and the same. For being a man ambitious of honor, and quite overcome by that passion, he was induced to be magnificent, wherever there appeared any hopes of a future memorial, or of reputation at present. And as his expenses were beyond his abilities, he was necessitated to be harsh to his subjects. For the persons on whom he expended his money were so many, that they made him a very bad procurer of it. And because he was conscious that he was hated by those under him, for the injuries he did them, he thought it not an easy thing to amend his offenses, for that it was inconvenient for his revenue. He therefore strove on the other side, to make their ill will an occasion of his gains. As to his own court, therefore, if any one was not very obsequious to him in his language and would not confess himself to be his slave or but seemed to think of any innovation in his government, he was not able to contain himself, but prosecuted his very kindred and friends and punished them as if they were enemies, and this wickedness he undertook out of a desire that he might be himself alone honored. Now for all this, my assertion about this passion of his, we have the greatest evidence, by what he did to honor Caesar and Agrippa, and his other friends. For with what honors he paid his respects to them who were his superiors, the same did he desire to be paid to himself. And what he thought the most excellent present he could make another, he discovered an inclination to have the like presented to himself. But now the Jewish nation is by their law a stranger to all such things, and accustomed to prefer righteousness to glory, for which reason that nation was not agreeable to him, because it was out of their power to flatter the king's ambition with statues or temples or any other such performances. And this seems to me to have been at once the occasion of Herod's crimes as to his own courtiers and counselors, and of his benefactions to foreigners and those that had no relation to him. Chapter 6 an ambassage in Cyrene and Asia to Caesar, concerning the complaints they had to make against the Greeks, with copies of the epistles which Caesar and Agrippa wrote to the cities for them. Now the cities ill-treated the Jews in Asia, and all those also of the same nation which lived in Libya, which joins to Cyrene, while the former kings had given them equal privileges with the other citizens. But the Greeks affronted them at this time, and that so far as to take away their sacred money, and to do them mischief on other particular occasions. When therefore they were thus afflicted, and found no end of their barbarous treatment they met with among the Greeks, they sent ambassadors to Caesar on those accounts, who gave them the same privileges as they had before, and sent letters to the same purpose to the governors of the provinces, copies of which I subjoin here, of testimonials of the ancient favorable disposition the Roman emperors had towards us. Caesar Augustus, high priest and tribune of the people, ordains thus, Since the nation of the Jews hath been found grateful to the Roman people, not only at this time, but in time past also, and chiefly Hyrcanus the high priest, under my father Caesar the Emperor. It seemed good to me and my counselors, according to the sentence and oath of the people of Rome, that the Jews have liberty to make use of their own customs, according to the law of their forefathers, as they made use of them under Hyrcanus the high priest of the Almighty God, and that their sacred money be not touched, but be sent to Jerusalem, and that it be committed to the care of the receivers at Jerusalem, and that they be not obliged to go before any judges on the sabbath day nor on the day of preparation to it after the ninth hour but if any one be caught stealing their holy books or their sacred money whether it be out of the synagogue or public school he shall be deemed a sacrilegious person and his goods shall be brought into the public treasury of the romans and I give order that the testimonial which they have given me, on account of my regard to that piety which I exercise towards all mankind, and out of regard to Caius Marcus Ansorius, together with the present decree, be proposed in that most eminent place which hath been consecrated to me by the community of Asia at Ansira. And if any one transgresses any part of what is above decreed, he shall be severely punished. This was inscribed upon a pillar in the temple of Caesar. Caesar to Norbanus Flaccus sendeth greeting. Let those Jews, how many soever they be, who have been used, according to their ancient custom, to send their sacred money to Jerusalem, do the same freely. These were the decrees of Caesar. Agrippa also did himself write after the following manner, on behalf of the Jews. Agrippa to the magistrates, senate, and people of the Ephesians, sendeth greeting. I will take the care and custody of the sacred money that is carried to the temple at Jerusalem, be left to the Jews of Asia, to do with according to their ancient custom, and that such as steal that sacred money of the Jews, and fly to a sanctuary, shall be taken thence and delivered to the Jews, by the same law that sacrilegious persons are taken thence, I have also written to Sylvanus the Praetor that no one compelled the Jews to come before a judge on the Sabbath day. Marcus Agrippa to the magistrates, senate, and people of Cyrene sendeth greeting. The Jews of Cyrene have interceded with me for the performance of what Augustus sent orders about to Flavius, the then Praetor of Libya, and to the other procurators of that province, that the sacred money may be sent to Jerusalem freely, as hath been their custom from their forefathers, they complaining that they are abused by certain informers, and under pretense of taxes which were not due, are hindered from sending them, which I command to be restored without any diminution or disturbance given to them. And if any of that sacred money in the cities be taken from their proper receivers, I further enjoin that the same be exactly returned to the Jews in that place. Caius Norbanus Flaccus Proconsul To the magistrates of the Sardians, sendeth greeting. Caesar hath written to me, and commanded me not to forbid the Jews, how many soever they be, from assembling together according to the custom of their forefathers, nor from sending their money to Jerusalem. I have therefore written to you, that you may know that both Caesar and I would have you act accordingly. Nor did Julius Antonius, the proconsul, write otherwise. To the magistrates, senate, and people of the Ephesians, sendeth greeting, as I was dispensing justice at Ephesus, on the Ides of February. The Jews that dwelt in Asia demonstrated to me that Augustus and Agrippa had permitted them to use their own laws and customs, and to offer those their first fruits, which every one of them freely offers to the deity on account of piety, and to carry them in a company together to Jerusalem without disturbance." They also petitioned me that I would also confirm what had been granted by Augustus and Agrippa by their own sanction. I would therefore have you take notice, that according to the will of Augustus and Agrippa, I permit them to use and do according to the customs of their forefathers, without disturbance. I have been obliged to set down these decrees, because the present history of our own acts will go generally among the Greeks, and I have hereby demonstrated to them that we have formerly been in great esteem, and have not been prohibited by those governors we were under, from keeping any of the laws of our forefathers. Nay, that we have been supported by them, while we followed our own religion, and the worship we paid to God. And I frequently make mention of these decrees, in order to reconcile other people to us, and to take away the causes of that hatred which unreasonable men bear to us. As for our customs, there is no nation which always makes use of the same, and in every city, almost, we meet with them different from one another. But natural justice is most agreeable to the advantage of all men equally, both Greeks and barbarians, to which our laws have the greatest regard, and thereby render us, if we abide in them after a pure manner, benevolent and friendly to all men on which account we have reason to expect the like return from others, and to inform them that they ought not to esteem difference of positive institutions, a sufficient cause of alienation. But join with us in the pursuit of virtue and probidity, for this belongs to all men in common, and of itself alone is sufficient for the preservation of human life. I now return to the thread of my history. End of Book Sixteen, Chapters Five and Six